Wow. Wow. You know, I, I'm just so excited and elated to be here. Is anybody excited to be at church this morning? Anybody? Yeah. I want to welcome everybody watching online. I think we're live on Facebook as well. Can y'all just turn around and wave at the camera right there? Just wave at them. I know they're watching at every campus and on Facebook. So excited to uh, be here. I bring you greetings from Atlanta. Wow. wow. Y'all don't do this to me this morning. Don't do this to me. I'm going to try it again. Let's do it. I bring you greetings from Atlanta. Wow. I know I made you do that. I did. I made you do it. Um, I thought it was hot in Atlanta. Was anybody else hot this week? Here, oh my gosh! I sweated so much this week. I thought I lost five pounds. I mean, it was it was ridiculous. And I thought we had really bad traffic in Atlanta as well. No, is that a shot? Okay, that's not a shot. I mean, I, I love Chicago. I feel like we should just move here, but we're not. But we're not because uh, because we love Chicago. Uh, my wife is here. Can you stand, baby? Stand up. Don't be shy. It was her birthday a couple days ago, so we're so excited. Um, I grew up in what you would call the black church. Now, let me explain that. The black church is just a church with a lot of black people, okay? <laughs> just a lot of black people. And we did some things in the black church that I feel like if we were to do them this morning, it would make me feel a little bit more comfortable. Now, don't get nervous. I'm not going to ask you to dance, run around the room, or speak in tongues. But what I do want to ask you to do is something just to kind of get the juices flowing. Every person in here, without leaving your seat, five high fives from five different people right now. Let's see. Let me see if you can do it. Let me see. That's good. That's good. Yeah. There it is. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Air high fives, air high fives, air high fives. Thank you, thank you. I, I feel like I'm in. Wow, okay, that was good. That was the warm-up. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I do want you to do one more thing. Find a partner, somebody on your left or on your right that you kind of like. Hopefully, if you're with your husband, you like him. And get in their eyes, get in their face. Now, hopefully you brush your teeth important, but I mean, come on, this is it. I want you to say something to them from the bottom of your soul. Here's what I want you to say in their face, like you mean it. Say, you look good today. Yeah. Even if you don't mean it. It's called kindness this morning. We're excited. <laughs> well, you know, a couple of years ago, I started a podcast and um, we've been able to interview folks like Andy Stanley, Lisa Turkhurst, John Chris, Michael Todd, just some amazing pastors and leaders from all around the country. And I'll tell you this, when Pastor Tim invited me here and when I met him, I said, man, that guy is just top notch. Don't you feel that way about your pastor? Come on, give it up for him. He is just top notch. And so again, I am just so honored to be here. The invitation was just taken with such gratitude. Um, I want to talk to you today about a concept that changed my life. It transformed the way I saw myself. It transformed the way I saw God. And it changed the way that I felt. And I came to know 
that God saw me. And here's what I believe. I believe if we can all get this concept on the inside of us, deeply rooted, it'll change us. Let me show you the concept right now. It's, it's called unrelenting love. Unrelenting love. That's the name of the message, but it's also the name of the concept. But what is unrelenting love? Unrelenting love is the type of love that I feel God has for us. Of course, it's unconditional. Of course, it's amazing. But it is also unrelenting. And when you hear the word unrelenting, there's another word that kind of comes to mind, doesn't it? Relentless. Relentless. You can kind of find those words close together. They kind of come from one another. What does it mean to be relentless? Well, to be relentless means to never give up. To be relentless means to push and push and push through the pain or the adversity or the obstacles to get it done. That's the kind of love God has for us. He'll push. He'll pull. He'll never give up until we know him and until we know how much he loves us. Now, to underscore this principle today, I want to give you a theological concept that we believe in in the Christian faith. I don't want to get too deep on you, uh, but, but let me show you. Maybe some of you have heard of it before. The Holy Trinity. Who has heard of the Holy Trinity before? Just by show of hands. Okay. A couple of you. <laughs> most of you. Um, For those that have not heard of the Holy Trinity, just give me a couple seconds and let me illuminate it for you. The Holy Trinity is this idea that God is three in one. God is three in one. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I love what Jesus says. He says that when you see me, you see the Father. When you see me, you see the Father. If you've ever read the Bible, hopefully you have, you'll notice that in the Old Testament, you see more of the Father. And then when you transition into the New Testament, into the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Son shows up, Jesus. And then Jesus leaves, right? He ascends and he says, I'm leaving, but I'm also going to leave somebody with you, a comforter, a helper, the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now, many theologians believe that the Holy Trinity was present from Genesis to Revelation, that in the creation story, when they said, let there be light, Jesus was there. Holy Spirit was there. So to underscore this concept of unrelenting love, I'd love to just spend a little bit of time on the Father today. On the Father. My birthday was Monday. Thank you, thank you. I'm 31. John Mayer has a song called Stop This Train. I don't know if you've heard it but it's about stopping the train. He's getting older, and he's talking to his dad. He's like, stop this train. That's how I felt Monday. I said, can we just stop the train? I'm getting a little bit older. Um, My anniversary is coming up in a few weeks. Thank you. And my wife's birthday was a couple days ago. What does that mean? It means I've just been spending money this week. That's what it's just. It's just I'm losing money. Um, I'm 31 now. When I was 19, I had a problem. And the problem I had when I was 19 was that I had a dream. Now, the dream wasn't the issue. It was the circumstances surrounding the dream. And the dream that I had when I was 19 was to have a Yukon Denali. (laughs) 
or a Maybach or a Lamborghini, whichever one you choose. But I wanted an expensive car with TVs in the headrest. Anybody remember those cars? Anybody remember the show Pimp My Ride? It was a show on MTV where Exhibit would take cars like the Volvo and he'd build a kitchen in the trunk, right? Or he'd put a shower in the back seat. But he also put TVs in the headrest. And that was my dream. At 19, I wanted a car with TVs in the headrest and a big enough center console to go to Cheesecake Factory and get a meal. <laughs> and put it in the middle and then find Mission Impossible and play it. Get on the highway and it would be like a movie on wheels. Here's the problem with my dream. I didn't have any money. I was broke. So I didn't have any money. I had a dream, but I did have something else. And it was what my mom taught me. And it was the concept of maximizing what you had around you. I grew up middle class. Anybody middle class? Grew up middle class? Here's the great thing about growing up in the middle class. Uh, you don't have everything that you want, but you have everything that you need. So you learn how to maximize what you have. You look around you and you say, okay, this is what I want to accomplish. And you get this and you maximize it. So I had that principle and that concept, but I also had my dream and I was broke. Don't forget it. <laughs> so one day in 19, I decided this was the day. This is the day. I'm accomplishing my dream today. So I looked around me. I said, okay, I don't have a Yukon, but what I do have is an Oldsmobile. Any Oldsmobile people? It's just old. That's why they call it Oldsmobile. <laughs> I had the Oldsmobile. I said, okay, Yukon, check. I said, now, TV's in the headrest. I don't think you can do that to an Oldsmobile. Okay. And I was broke. So I didn't have the TVs. But what I did have is a MacBook. So I got the MacBook. I put it in the right seat. I opened it. I, was, I said, okay, TV's check. Now I need Mission Impossible. Don't have Mission Impossible but I do have Hotel Rwanda. <laughs> so I said, movie, check. I hit play. African sounds were in the car. I said, last but not least, I need Cheesecake Factory. So I looked around and there was no Cheesecake Factory in sight, but you know what there was? A Chick-fil-A. <laughs> do we have any Chick-fil-A fans in the building? Thank you. I don't know about you, but when I eat at Chick-fil-A, I just feel like I'm giving to God. Do you feel that way? I just feel like I'm tithing. It's called the Christian chicken for a reason, ladies and gentlemen. And so I pulled into the Chick-fil-A. I went through the drive-thru and I got the eight-piece nugget with the large fry. Because if you get the 12-piece nugget, it's too many nuggets. But if you get the eight-piece nugget, you can upsize the fry and it fills in for what you lack in nuggets. And then you got to get the sweet tea. <laughs> and don't forget about the honey mustard. And the Chick-fil-A sauce. Thank you. We got some Chick-fil-A fans. So I got my honey mustard, my Chick-fil-A sauce. I put it in the middle. I had my movie playing. I got on the highway, 285, eight-lane highway, and rush hour traffic. I got in the far right lane, and I went 40 miles an hour. <laughs> because I figured this is a little dangerous. <laughs> so as I'm riding, I'm glancing, I'm dipping. I'm riding, I'm glancing, I'm dipping. Can you say that with me? Riding, glancing, dipping. I didn't think you would do it. <laughs> but you did it. You should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> you did it. So I'm, on, so I'm on the highway. I'm going 40 miles an hour and it hits me. I have done it. I have accomplished my dream and I'm happy. So as I'm riding, I'm glancing, I'm dipping. 
I'm moving. And I look in the rearview mirror after a while, and a car spins out of control. And so I say, okay, if I speed up and they hit me, I'll go further faster. But if I slow down, they'll hit me quicker, so I'll just keep going 40 miles an hour. Then another car spins out of control. So now we got two cars that have spent out of control in rush hour traffic on 285. And I go, I'm going to get hit. Brace for impact. And boom, I get hit. And I spin from the right lane across all four lanes, hit the center median, bounce off the median, spin all the way back around the four lanes and hit the rail. And as I'm spinning, I'm praying, God, please don't let me die. And whatever you do, protect the car because I'm broke. Well, make a long story short, I managed to get out of the car without a scratch. Yeah. And honey mustard was everywhere. <laughs> so as I got out, I'm kind of wiping the sauce off, some of it. A man runs up to me. He says, sir, are you okay? I said, yes. And then he ran in the woods and jumped over the gate. I said, who was that man? I picked up my phone, I text my sister, I've been in an accident on 285, put the phone down. And as I look down the highway, they've stopped traffic because all three cars have been totaled. And it, it's cars as far as five miles back, gridlocked, it's like an army brigade of cars. And as I'm looking through the cars, I mean, you can't even see the I mean, it's just cars as far as you can see. I see a man running through the cars. I'm like, who is this man? I look a little closer. I'm like, maybe it's the paramedics, but he didn't have the outfit on. Can't be the paramedics. So he keeps running. I'm like, who is this man? It's like he's coming to me. He gets a little bit closer. I lean in. It's my dad. It's my dad. He runs up to me. He says, son, are you okay? I said, yes. He said, well, what's up with all the honey mustard? I said, it's a long story. <laughs> he said, well, weren't you going to like a worship thing? And I said, yeah, because at the time I thought I was going to be the Christian version of Usher, <laughs> which I didn't become. I'm here with you. I'm still excited about my life. <laughs> I feel accomplished. And so he puts me in the truck. He says, well, let's go to the worship gear. And as he's driving, I'm thinking, you know, there's that moment of self-reflection, right? And as I'm thinking, I, I start remembering all the moments he's been there for me. The good times and the bad times, the accidents, the mundane middle, the basketball practices, the, the punishments, the... Right, the breakfasts and the lunches and the dinners. And, 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 and I go, you know, my, my dad has always been there for me. He loves me. And what's even crazier about the story is that I was adopted. So it wasn't a, you know, it, it's not like he had the choice. I mean, he, he chose it. 
I'm going to choose to sacrifice for you. I start thinking about how he found me on 285. I'm like, how did this man do this? He didn't know where I was. And not only did he find me on 285, but he, he, he got there and got out of the car and ran five miles through the traffic and through the cars to get to me. I said, my dad, my dad loves me. You know, when I reminisce and think about that story, the thought that often comes to mind is, as amazing as my father's love is for me. It pales in comparison to how much the Father in heaven loves us. It pales in comparison to how much God cares about us. I mean, it, it is a raindrop to an ocean. It's a planet to a solar system. God loves us more than we'll ever know. God is for us. He believes in us. Here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get in your mind the greatest moment in your life that you've ever felt loved. Was it mom? Was it dad? Was it uncle, auntie, cousin, brother, girlfriend? I mean, best friend. Get, get in your mind the greatest moment that you've ever felt loved. I want you to get it in your mind, and then I want you to multiply it by a million, and that's God's love for you. It doesn't compare. It is unrelenting. It's amazing. So what makes that story incredible? Because for me, um, when I hear the story and when I think about it, I go, of course, my dad loves me, right? And, and I think we all would agree. It's like that whenever I tell that story, uh, when I get to the part about it being my dad, everybody goes, oh. I mean, you did it. We all did it together. Oh, it's his dad, right? Because that's the moment we realize Man, this guy loves him. And, and why do we make the noise, right? Why do we get excited? It's, it's because we realize how much he sacrificed to get to me. We go, oh, my gosh, that is amazing. How could somebody do that? He, he must. He must love him. I love what the great theologian C.S. Lewis says. He says this. Can we put it on the screen? He says, do not waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor Act as if you did. Do you hear that? That's incredible. He says, he says, don't waste time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. It is as if he's saying this. Next slide for me. That love is always qualified through action. Love is always qualified through action. In other words, he's saying, who cares how much you say you love somebody? Do you act like it? Who cares how much somebody says they love you. Do they act like it? Love is always qualified through action. You want to know if somebody loves you. Don't listen to their words. Look at their actions. I was having a moment with my dad when I messed up. You know, I was a knucklehead growing up. And he forgave me, and I was asking for forgiveness, and I came up to him. You know, you want to sweeten the deal. And I said, Dad, well, you know I love you. He said, Okay. I said, Dad, no, really, I love you. I love you, Dad. You know I love you. He says, okay. I said, Dad, I love you. He said, well, act like it. Act like it. It's not enough that you say it, Sam. you got to actually do something. The tension that I feel 
when unpacking this concept of unrelenting love. The tension I feel that we face as believers or folks that don't believe in God, when we're trying to understand how much God loves us, is this. I feel as if we are missing and we have forgotten or don't fully understand what he did for us to prove his love. And so we struggle because our whole life we've heard, yeah, God loves us. Most of us have heard that. If not, you've heard it now because you're in church, right? Yeah, God loves us. Oh, yeah, God loves me. I know, I know God loves me. But, 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 But do we really understand it? Because I believe that if we fully understood what he did to prove it, we wouldn't struggle with receiving it and accepting it. That God fully loves us. The greatest act in human history was the crucifixion of Jesus. You may agree, you may not agree, but uh, most people agree. The, the, The greatest act of all time was Jesus dying on the cross. The greatest punishment ever created by man to kill someone, historians will say, is the crucifixion. There was nothing worse than being crucified. And the crucifixion of Jesus is the cornerstone of our faith, and it is the single act that God did to prove his love for us. The Scriptures say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He proved it for us. On the cross, he did some things. But why did he die? For me and for you. The Bible says that uh, moments before Jesus went to the cross, he had a moment with his friends. He got his friends and he said, come on, let's, let's go back. I got to go up to the garden of Gethsemane. Y'all stay here. And he goes over to the garden to have a moment to pray. And says as he's praying, he's talking to God, the Father. And he's saying something like, if you could, would you take this cup away? If you could, would you, would you just let this cup pass from me? Then he comes to himself. He says, no, 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 no. not my will. Your will be done. Then it says he goes back to his friends. He said, y'all keep, keep watching. And he goes back a second time and he says it again. Please, please, if you could, would, would you take this cup away? The theologians say that Jesus was, was so stressed that he was sweating blood. And every drop of blood that he sweat, he was thinking about you. And that's what we see the wrestle because he comes, oh, wait, no, 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 not my will. Uh, yeah, your, your will be done. It, it is one of the greatest moments in the scriptures where we see the Holy Trinity interacting in real time where the Father and the Son are having a conversation. He goes back out, talks to his friends a third time and goes back a third time and says, please, would you take this cup away? You know what? Not my will. Your will be done. And it says he goes out to his friends and he says, look, the hour has come. Here come my betrayers. This was moments after the Garden of Gethsemane. Where we see Jesus wrestle with whether or not he's going to go through with it. 
And as he is wrestling, his humanity is kicking in and then his thought about you is kicking in. His humanity is kicking in. His thought about you. Take this cup, please. No, no, no. Your will be done. Because we've got something we have to do. It says he comes to his senses and he gets some fortitude and he says, we, the hour has come. And he's taken here. And he's beaten. And with every whip and with every lash, he's thinking about you. What's crazy about that clip is that uh, we, we struggled with what to show. I, I had a conversation with the team. I said, okay, we need to shorten the video a little bit more. I mean, and and I, I watched it maybe 10 to 20 times, and I said, no, you know what? That's like only a minute of about 30 minutes. I said, we, we're, we're leaving everything out. I was like, I can't show all of this. I'm like, okay, let's shorten it again. And then I, I got here, and I said, let me see it again. I was like, no, 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 we can't, we can't show it. That's, that's too much. But the reality is that was the beginning. The temptation for us is to say, well, this is church. Why are we showing that in church? But that's our Savior. What we just saw is in the Bible. But I think we miss what he really did because we just, us just a couple words on a page. But when you see it, you fully understand the sacrifice that went forth. And, and what I want you to do is I want you to understand why he did it. And I've said it, but I want to say it again. He did it to prove his love to you. He did it for you to illuminate his love, to show you how much it means to him to have you. To have you. We left out the part after that where he gets up again. And they get another utensil that written, they, they, it sticks in him and they rip his flesh. I'm, and, and then I left out the part about the crown with thorns. And then I left out the part where they gave him his cross and he was bleeding everywhere. And they made him carry his own cross up on the hill. And I left out the part where they took the nail and put it through his hand. And took the nail and put it through his other hand. And took the nail and put it through his feet. And then, you know, I left out the part. I said, we cannot show this where they wanted to check if he was in. So they take the cross and they dump it over. And the nails catch him. And they, just, to, just to make sure, we want to make sure he's in. They stand him back up. And his organs start shutting down one by one. Let me show you what the scriptures say. It says that from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, He's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. 
The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. Don't miss this. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely. He was the Son of God. Surely, he was the Son of God. It says that as he hung on that cross, one by one, his body started shutting down until the last moment where he gave up his spirit. I always want to say it one more time. At every moment, he was thinking about you. He took the pain, he took the agony to prove his love for you. The temptation for us is to believe, well, it was just Jesus on the cross, but you forgot that Jesus is God. So it wasn't just Jesus on the cross, it was God on the cross. God who had stepped down into humanity in his own creation, to be slaughtered by his own creation, for his creation, on the cross for you. Here's a thought I want you to think about. Maybe you wrestle with it tonight, even for the rest of your life. If you struggle to watch what happened to him on the cross or even before, not read, but to watch, why do you struggle with receiving his love? That thought for me is something I often wrestle with because you know, it's so difficult for us to watch it, but yet some of us still struggle with believing that he actually loved us. How do you struggle, but you can't watch it? You can't watch what he did to prove it, but yet you struggle to believe that he does love you. The two can't possibly coexist. God loves you more than you ever know. And he proved it. By giving his life. If there's one thing I want to leave you with today, it's this right here. That God sacrificed his only son to prove how much he loved you. If I were to say that in a simpler way, I'd say it like this. That God gave everything to prove you were worth anything. God gave everything to prove you were worth anything. Let's all stand. Whether you're watching online at our other campuses or here in this building, I want to challenge you to receive his love in a greater way. We're getting ready to sing a song. It's called Good, Good Father. And during this song, here's what I would love. You don't have to do this, but if you feel so compelled to, I, I'd love for you to just Lift a hand. And why? Well, David lifted his hands as a sign of surrenderance in the Old Testament. 
When David would lift his hands, he was sending a sign to God that I need you. I'm open for you to do whatever you need to do. And so as you lift your hands as we sing this next song, here's what I believe. I believe that the love of God will pour out on you in a way like never before. That as you lift your hands to heaven, that heaven will meet you right where you are. And his love will reach you in the areas that you need it most. It will reach you in your soul, in your loneliness, in your heartache, in your pain, in your depression, in your doubt. As you lift your hands, I believe God will meet you. And his love will be poured out on you in a way like never before. There's two things that should happen when you fully receive the love of God. The first thing that should happen is you should run towards him. When you receive his love and you get a greater understanding of what his love really is and how deep it is, it should compel you to run towards him. Especially in the moments where you feel like you're unlovable. When you've made a mistake. Some of us have done some things that nobody knows about. And it's so difficult for us to receive the love of God and then to run towards him because, no, no, God's in heaven. He's waiting to punish me. I'm not worth anything. I don't want to run towards him. But, but, but God, what God wants you to know today is that he wants you to run towards him, especially in those moments. He died for you on the cross to prove that there was nothing you could ever do to separate yourself from. Here's the second thing that should happen. You should run towards him. The second thing is you should stop running away from him. Some of you, God's been chasing you for a while. And maybe you've let your intellect get in the way. Some of us have have let, hear me, the decisions of God impact whether or not we believe in him. But, you know, just because you don't agree with what God does doesn't mean that he doesn't exist. Don't let your intellect get in the way of his love transforming you. Because, you know, that's what comes first. The love comes and then the understanding comes. Would you stop running away? Because the God, the Father in heaven wants to wrap his arms around you. And he wants you to know how much he did to prove it. Let's pray. God, we love you. Let us remember that you gave everything to prove we were worth anything. Let us remember that we can trust you. Because as other people didn't do, you actually did back up your love with action. For some of us that are in the room now going, the Father in heaven loves me? I didn't have a good father. So even the whole concept of father is foreign for me. God, would you let uh, their definition of father be renewed in this moment? God, let them know that you want to be the father that they never had. You want to love them like no other person and no other father ever has. You want to come in and father them. And you want to wrap your arms around I pray for those that may not believe in Jesus that are here. That are going, I, I, don't, I just came in today. I don't know. What is this? 
I pray that maybe as we sing this song, maybe just lift a hand. Just to try it and that as that hand is lifted, that maybe you move like you moved on all of us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.